You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before I jump into things, a couple of newsworthy topics going on with the Sixers. We'll have you covered on that. But before I do, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. Of course, always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. One of the fellows who writes for us at libertyballers.com does a great job with our salary cap as well and just generally covering the team. Mr. Brian DePork. Brian, first off, how are things been for you? We're in the world towards the end of July now. And we still got some news coming out, so it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I'm I'm frankly thrilled that we finally know how much money James Harden is making next year because now I can I can finally start planning ahead. Yeah, there, there you go. You got your little cap sheet ready for you there. And, and <laughs> I'm sure you got the Google sheet ready to go with all the numbers. But uh yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Harden deal now official, basically taking uh $15 million less for next season. It's gonna come in at 33 million for the 2022-2023 campaign. And then he has a player option at 35.6 million for the following year, which is 2023-24. So again, we'll jump into what the possibilities are. But now that we got the numbers that are official, Brian, what were your thoughts when you came, when the, the we got confer- confirmation, pardon me, from Woj, that it's going to be 33 million for next season? Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge surprise because Shams had the report recently that he was going to take a $15 million pay cut. So it's a little less than that. It wound up being 14.4 less than his $47.4 million player option, but like right in the ballpark. Um, I mean, it's frankly really impressive of Harden, you know, because he gives this interview to Chris Haynes the other day where he's like, you know, go sign whoever you want to sign and then just give me whatever's left over. He didn't take everything that was left over. They could have given him 36 million and change and still been under the apron, which is a line you can't cross if you use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which they did to sign PJ Tucker, or the biannual exception, which they did to sign Daniel House. So they're double hard capped if that was such a thing. Um, but yeah, they could have given him 36 and still been under the apron. So they've got like three million and change in wiggle room now to you know facilitate another trade, perhaps another signing, if they want to go that route. Um, So, I mean, you know, I know there is a narrative that Harden didn't give up all that much, but I would also like to challenge anyone to give up $14 million. (laughs) Let's say you didn't give up all that much. Well, and and that's, that's, that's the thing, Brian, like uh, we looked at it too. And we're like, we're talking about how can anybody say that, right? Giving up, you know, 14.4, $15 million in that range. Obviously he did something good and he seems like he's all in for next season. So I do want to ask you this. Did you find it interesting that he went with the player option? Uh, what is it at 35.4 million basically for, for next season or 35.6, pardon me for next season that could he possibly leave? Like, do you think he's just mm-hmm. basically all in on this year? Like screw it. I'm willing to give up some cash this season. We got Joel Embiid. We got Tyrese Maxey, obviously Tobias Harris. We got now this will allow us to get guys like Tucker house and, and Melton uh, who are obviously the big acquisitions. 
But when you look at it, like, was that interesting to you at all that it's a one-on-one basically? And if he wants out after next year and it wants to hit the open market, he's free to do that. I think it makes sense because his max, you know, right now the caps projected very early projections are 133 million. So he can get up to 35% of that, which is close to what he could have earned as a free agent this year. I think it's like $46.6 million. Again, this is all early and it will change between now and July 1st next year. But like he, he can earn 10 million extra uh, or his max salary will be 10 million more than what his player option is. So I think if all goes well this year, he's going to opt out next year. I still don't know if they're going to give him a full five-year max deal. Like, I, I think it might make the most sense for both sides to do a two plus one. And I'm sure I'll write about this at Liberty Ballers at some point this offseason. Um, he can line that up with this expected cap spike in 25-26 if things are still going well for him. He's still going to have $100 million plus in financial security over the next couple of years anyway. Um, so I, I think it makes sense for him to do what he did this year in particular, like him opting out and taking less is what enabled them to have enough space under the apron to have the full non-taxpayer mid-level, which they used on PJ Tucker. If he didn't do that, if he picked up the player option, they would have had to shed like $5 million in salary to get to that. And then another 4 million to get the biannual exception, which they used on uh, Daniel house jr. Next year, it's not going to matter. Embiid's salary goes up by $10 million. Like They're going to be over the apron either way, so it's not going to affect which exceptions they have. It, it's going to be interesting, though, to see how the Sixers handle this all financially, too, because they're going to get some guys coming off the book, and obviously Tobias Harris, I think that contract becomes more palatable to move next offseason with one year left um, into a team who might be like, yeah, screw it, you know, we'll take the extra space to bring in a star. But when, when you look at the fact that Harden did this, and you mentioned, we talked about this you know, on the, on the pod previously as well, that... Um, yeah, he is taking a haircut and we know that it's, it's going to help the squad this season. But when you look at now, the Sixers are pretty much all, all in, right, to win a mm-hmm. championship. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. This is going to be the squad. The fact they might have, you know, three and a half, four million dollars of wiggle room yet. Do you see Daryl Morey trying to still add any other pieces this offseason? Or you think business is done for now? We'll see what happens during the during the, the regular season with in terms of buyouts. Maybe there is. Um, another veteran free agent who makes sense at that time. Like, do you think this is what they're going to roll with at this point going into, going into uh, October? Wouldn't shock me either way, honestly. I mean, like you look at the depth chart, especially like top eight, top 10 guys, and you feel pretty good about it. So if they do stand pat, like they do have to, they have 16 guys under contract right now. So they will have to either waive someone or do a two for one deal by opening night. You can only have 15 guys, uh, not counting their two way guys. So whether that's Trevor and Queen, who got 300000 guaranteed. Isaiah Joe is fully non-guaranteed until opening night. Charles Bassey is only 75000 guaranteed until January. Now, if they don't make a trade, I think one of those three guys will end up getting waived. Um, I floated the name Patrick Beverly out there as a possible trade uh, target. You know, I, I had a post at LB um, about, like, this whole Donovan Mitchell situation, and, like, the Sixers do not have enough to get Donovan Mitchell but they might be able, like if the Jazz are going full rebuild, maybe they just are willing to sell off every single veteran they have. Um, so it's it's tough to make the math work now, actually, with Beverly. Uh, if they wanted to sign a 15th guy, they'd be like $230,000 over the apron if they did like Cork, Bible, and Shake for Beverly. But the minimums prorate once the season starts, so they, they could get around it that way. 
otherwise, like, yeah, I think, you know, see what happens during the season. You've still got $3 million under the apron to work with. So they, they do have some financial flexibility to continue adding to this roster. And that, that, I think that's the the fun part too, is like knowing that they have that room before they hit the apron, obviously, which they can't, they can't get to because they would be non-compliant with, with, the, with mm. the CBA at that point with the league, they'd be in a lot of trouble. But I think it's interesting now because Daryl Morey's done everything that he can to add the pieces that were necessary. Although I still feel this, Brian, they still need one more playmaker off the bench. It doesn't have to be like this mm. guy who's going to come in and score 15 a game, but somebody who has the capability of being a double digit scorer um, each night. Uh, Brian, I want to jump into this too. We got news dropping th- this morning, recording this on a Thursday. A new downtown arena for the Sixers. Uh, it's going to be opening. I mean, I'm just so weird to me that we're talking about something that's going to happen. <laughs> because who knows what the hell the state of the world is going to be like at this point. Right. Um, but we saw it's going to be in the center city area, moving it obviously from South Philly with Wells Fargo Center. Although I do like Xfinity. I think that's a good, 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 uh, you know, proximity to there. But um, it's going to be better overall, I think, just for the fan experience, obviously public transit wise. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that the news broke that the Sixers are going to be opening up uh, this arena? It's going to be happening, like I said, in the, in the next 10 or so years. Yeah, I think it was more positive than negative. I really love that it's fully privately financed. They're not taking money from the city of Philly or the state, whatever. Uh, Francis Zomes pointed this out on Twitter, too, that like we're skipping the step of them threatening, you know, that the arena is not up to par. So we're threatening to move to Seattle or whatever. Yeah. Like we're, <laughs> we're keeping the Sixers in Philly, which is great. Um, you know, I, I think. That some people are not going to like it because maybe you know, I've heard from like some people in Jersey, especially who said like the commute to Wells Fargo is great for them and is going to get worse now. It seems like they're really leaning into the public transit side of things. You know, they're saying this is like nine times more accessible via public transit. There will still be parking lots around. Like I think they said there's 29 parking lots within a half mile of the proposed location. So you can still drive down there. Um, but as you said, like other other cities already have this type of thing. Like I lived in Washington for eight years and the, I think it's called Capital One Arena now, but the former Verizon Center is like right in the heart of Chinatown. It's a block off of the Metro. There's still parking garages if you want it, but it's, it's awesome. Like you can go bars and restaurants before and after the game, really easily accessible via you know, the Metro or via Uber, whatever. Um, so I think this could be a very positive development and make it more accessible to a greater number of fans. Yeah. And, and even, even the experience at, at the center with getting to Wells Fargo and stuff, getting in and out is, 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 I don't want to use the word, but it's, it's not easy. You know what I mean? And then, <laughs> sure. then you look at, um, you look at, like you said, the proximity, yeah, you got Xfinity closer, but entertainment options, not a whole ton. So I think it'll, it'll be a good location for the Sixers. And, and you're, you're seeing that a lot of these, these bigger market teams now, or have opted to go with downtown arenas. And I think it makes, it makes a ton of sense. But like you mentioned, um, this stuff is all a decade away, but knowing what you know now, and like I said, you've, you've read about the six for Forbes as well. So you obviously have a, a connection to the business end. How much does this impact the value of the franchise going forward? And 10 years from now, like how much is that going to increase what uh, the Sixers might be worth on the open market? Yeah, I think it will substantially. I mean, we've seen it with the Warriors who also, you know, they built this beautiful state-of-the-art chase center and are fully privately financed and they're willing to rack up like $200 million in luxury taxes because they are just raking in money. We can't even we, we can't even rack up $200 in luxury taxes, right? right? Brian, so yeah, $200 million is a different stratosphere for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I think 
overall, the value of all teams are, is, is going to go up as, you know, this, especially once they sign this new TV contract in 2025, if they get what they're looking for, it's like triple the value of their current one. You know, we, we could start to be talking about, you know, these teams being worth like five to 10 billion instead of whatever, like two, three, four for most of them right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy to see because I grew up in the time, like I grew up in the 90s, basically, and looking back at mm-hmm. it, like the Vancouver Grizzlies, I remember, like had for like $110 million or something ridiculous. And it's like now they'd be right. worth a billion. It's great. It's crazy to see what these teams are worth. But again, it's exciting for the Sixers. And I think it's exciting uh, for the fan base. Brian, I know you're, you're, you're going to be doing a pod with uh, Sean Kennedy tomorrow. So you'll be doing a deeper yes. dive on what the hardened contract means also what the new arena could mean uh so be sure to check that out on our liberty ballers podcast network uh as always brian we'd love having you on the site you've been a great resource so appreciate you always taking the time out uh, to to join me here thank you yeah thanks for having me anytime man all right that's brian Taporic. as i mentioned you can catch his work at libertyballers.com also contributes to Forbes as well uh does a great job covering the sixers uh coming up in part two of the pod maybe joined by joe flynn he actually works for our sister site at sb nation posting and toasting doing to do a bit of a deep dive on what the hell is going to happen with donovan mitchell and is he going to end up with the knicks so we'll jump into that after a short break another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Joining me for the second half of the pod, he covers the Knicks for posting and toasting our SB Nation sister site, Mr. Joe Flynn. Joe, first off, it's supposed to be the dog days of the offseason. We're supposed to be relaxing on a content standpoint. Instead, you're dealing with potential Donovan Mitchell rumors. We've heard maybe Russell Westbrook might be in the pipeline. How have the last few weeks been for you? And obviously Jalen Brunson going to be introduced as well. Uh, What have things been like for you covering the Knicks over the past few weeks here? Well, it's always good to get more content in the um, in the dog days of summer, so keeps us busy. Um, and it seems like these days they're talking about this might play out kind of towards the um, towards training camp. So I guess we'll be busy for a while. I know the, the the thing that people don't understand about doing our job is that we got to be on standby like 24 seven. We can get a notification from Woj at like 10 PM on a Friday and we got to hop on a computer and get that covered. So obviously the big uh, thing here, Joe surrounding the Knicks is Donovan Mitchell. He's a New York guy, uh, a potential, you know, had a, a, was in the running for MVP a couple of times. You look at what he brings 25.9 points per game last season, uh, averaging almost 24 for his career. One of the best offensive players in the game. When we started seeing what's happening in Utah, obviously the Rudy Gobert trade, and then you started getting these inclinations from guys like Woj, guys like Mark Stein, all these plugged in NBA insiders. What was your original thought when you heard, damn, Donovan Mitchell might be on the market and he could be coming to New York? 
Well, I think I'm a little different than a lot of maybe most Knicks fans. Um, I do. I'm excited about the idea, like for offense, because um, their offense was terrible last year. It was terrible, the, actually terrible the year that they made the playoffs two years ago. So um, they really they need to find a way to their defense has been pretty consistent, consistently good, at least for two years. And uh, so they really have to find a way to boost the offense if they want to get back to the playoffs. So obviously that will help. Of course, there's the downside that, uh, you know, Mitchell is pretty famous for being a bad defender. So. But then again, they were in the top half of the league last year playing Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier huge minutes. So it is a significant upgrade over. over it that. is a significant upgrade. I worry about the, the cost, you know, um, Danny Ainge is pretty famous for driving, you know, not wanting to do deals unless he really, really gets everything that he wants. So the Knicks have held firm so far, which is good. I'm happy about that trying to get the best deal and you know at least on the comments sections of social media everyone's trying to decide who has more leverage so um you know it's pretty objective so we don't know yet <laughs> yeah when you when you look at you look at mitchell right like i mentioned he's obviously offensively super gifted still in a contract for three more seasons including the upcoming one so he would be there if the trade is done uh, through 2025-26, looking at about $37 million in the final year of that deal. You mentioned the cost of getting him, right? We're hearing could be five first-round picks. Obviously, the Knicks are armed with a ton um, of future first-round picks. So when you look at that and what the potential cost would be to bring him in, why does that worry you? And and also, would you be willing to, to sacrifice that? If you're Leon Rose at this point, are you looking at this and being like, damn, we get a chance to get a bona fide superstar. We got to make our move. Well, I mean, someone I, I, I follow on Twitter kind of pointed this out the other day. They're like, um, you know, when are you going to be able to find another all-star when, um, you know, just this offseason, Gobert was traded. Uh, Jonte Murray was traded. You're like, I'm might be missing but those are the two big ones so it's not that uncommon and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could be traded so it's not that you know unless you really really believe in Donovan Mitchell like his his talent and like what he could do in the what it could do for them in the regular season and the playoffs I mean they have to get to the playoffs so it seems like I would I would prefer them to stick it out and just wait for an offer that they feel is is you know, good enough for, you know, passes the smell test. And um, if they have to go in the regular season without Donovan Mitchell, it wouldn't bother me that much. So again, I don't, I don't speak for all Knicks, Knicks fans. Uh, there are some Knicks fans who say, just give up everything. Don't even worry about it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy with them waiting it out, even waiting into the regular season. I don't think any of the teams that want Mitchell have close to what the Knicks can offer. So unless Danny Ainge wants to like, just hates the Knicks and will take a lesser offer just to, you know, burn them, which I don't think so. Then I'm happy to wait it out for a little while. Joe, where do you sit on the RJ Barrett thing, right? Like he, he obviously is ascending. He's played three years in the league right now, uh, going into year number four, average 20 <laughs> points last season, shot the rock 
respectively at, at just over 34%. He's 35% shooter for his career from deep. But obviously as, as a, as a very, very young man, he's 21 years old. When you look at him, um, any hesitation on your part to include him in a Donovan Mitchell deal, or are you looking at it like, Hey, you got to give him up, send him out and, and bring in Mitchell. Yeah. Well, it seems like I don't have to worry about it because everything that has come out so far has been like the, the jazz are not so interested in him because he will be a restricted free agent next year. If the Knicks don't extend him. So it seems like they're really lasered in on these picks. So, I mean, I would not want to trade RJ. Um, because if, if the, the deal wouldn't just be RJ, it would be RJ and like still like a good number of picks. So, um, again, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with the idea of losing any of their young guys. I think their young guys are very good and, uh, they didn't really get a chance to prove themselves last year. So, because Tibbs, you know, didn't want to play them and, uh, so that's why another reason I would be willing to go into the regular season, because um, if they have to play the younger kids, I think there's a chance that there's a good chance that their, uh, you know, their trade value will go up, you know, if they finally get minutes. So, uh, but then again, Tibbs might not want to play them again because hates young kids basically well i think we we deal with the same thing with the sixers joe with uh, doc rivers we want to see some of those young guys get some run but we were still seeing deandre jordan out there trucking along over the last uh, 15 or so regular season games uh who are some of those young guys you're talking about joe uh just in terms of that you'd be hesitant to to want to give up and you want to maybe see get some more run next year well there have been some rumors that uh quentin grimes who was very good in summer league will um well, might be able to start over Evan Fournier, which I think most Knicks fans would be happy about. Um, and then there's the two guys from 2020, Obi Toppin and Manuel Quickly. Um, Obi got a lot of he got a lot of good run at the end of the year, but you know how you know people always say, "Oh, we can't trust what you see at the end of the year from, from young guys because you know some teams are either finished or they're." Or they're, you know, resting guys or, you know, they're playing some young kids and who knows. But, and Emmanuel quickly has been very good for for his first two years in the league. So he had some shooting problems last year, but um, his playmaking really jumped out, uh, especially the last half of the season. He's putting up great numbers and after the All-Star break. So um, I would... Yeah, if they want a million picks, then uh, they're going to have to decide what, you know, what they want uh, in terms of the young guys. Because uh, I would, I prefer to give the picks for the most part, you know. Well, and that's the thing, right? You're looking at this. You don't want to give up the farm to bring in Mitchell because, again, as good as Mitchell is, if you have no depth around him, what difference is it going to make for for the squad? And uh, we mentioned another guy that that uh, the Knicks added this this offseason that one that everything everybody kind of felt from the beginning of free agency I mean obviously leading up to it was Jalen Brunson uh, had been tied tied to New York for a very long time obviously his dad played there uh, signed a four-year 104 million dollar deal how do you feel about his addition and obviously without the subtraction at this point of what a Mitchell trade would bring but as is with Brunson where do you think that puts the Knicks in the Eastern Conference back in order well um I loved the Jalen Brunson signing. I thought, you know, he's, he's good. Um, I know that contract doesn't actually, I, I believe he's only like 15th or, or around 15 as far as like starting point guards uh, salary. 
So, you know, if he's a league average point guard, then, you know, he's making fair, you know, he's making fair salary. And um, I really think if we do not add Donovan Mitchell, um, it will come down to what it will really come down to is Tibbs um, learning from the mistakes last year because he was absolutely horrible as a coach last year. Obviously, he got them into the playoffs two years before, but uh, pretty much every move he made backfired. Um, and Julius Randle, what's going to happen with him? He was absolutely terrible last year and was seemed like he hated all of his teammates and hated the fans, and it was uh, it was pretty horrible to watch if he uh you know there's a lot of reports that he's out you know getting in the best shape of his career again so um but I would prefer and again I'm in a very small minority of Knicks fans here but I would prefer dealing like the idea of dealing Julius Randle and clearing up the minutes for Obi Toppin is more interesting to me than dealing for Donovan Mitchell if wow okay if, you know, they're going to go to like Danny Ainge's price, you know, if they could get a real good deal on him, that's awesome. But, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, so you don't Randall think- was that bad last year. Yeah, Randall, I mean, he's he has been a double-double machine the last couple of years. But again, if he's basically your number one guy, chances are you're no better than a play-in team or at least challenging for that. And, and like you're saying right now at this point, so you would value looking at trying to maybe take like I love Obi's game, too. I love the way he runs the floor. Obviously, he could he could jump out of the gym. But when you look at um, the the overall cost, I think eventually, like you mentioned, of of potentially getting Donovan Mitchell, and you wrote about this on Posting and Toasting a couple of days ago, is Mark Stein saying there could be a chance that Leon Rose looks at bringing in Russell Westbrook, which, by the way, would be the worst defensive backcourt in NBA history with Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, and Russell Westbrook. But when you're looking at this right now, just in terms of where the Knicks are in their trying to build towards a champion, right? Do you think that Donovan Mitchell expedites that at all? Or do you look at this and say, look, we have a bunch of good assets. We got some young guys, like you mentioned, like Obi Toppin. We got RJ Barrett, uh, guys who are going to be ascending. You mentioned quickly, all, all you know, different, oper- different uh, opportunities for players there. But where do you look at, at at where the Knicks would be like with with Mitchell right now? Like, are you looking at this and saying, hey, you know what? Let's stick to what we have. Maybe another superstar becomes available. We obviously have a crap ton of first round picks that we can we can deal here. Like you, you would would you look at this right now? Let's be patient. Or would you look at this and say, hey, let, let's try and let's try and go with these superstar guys, bring them in and try and go out there and, and contend in the East. See, that's <clears throat> uh, a good question. man. I think. I don't know how much Donovan Mitchell like puts them back into contention, especially like what I just said, you know, if, if Tibbs is horrible again, if Julius Randall is playing too many minutes and shooting poorly and, you know, he demands, he demands the ball when, you know, you have two higher usage guys now in the, in the, in the backcourt with Brunson and Mitchell. Um, if he refuses to adapt his game, which, you know, based on what we've seen, could you know that could happen? And then Tibbs is playing him forty minutes a night, which he loves to do. Uh, they won't be a playoff team next year, even with Donovan Mitchell. So um, that that is what I feel. Unless Donovan Mitchell like really takes a like maybe a, a big defensive leap, or you know, he and Brunson just work out so perfectly, 
you know, I have real doubts that that team would even get to the play-in because, you know, the East is very deep now. It's not like the old days when you could, mm-hmm. you know, be below 500 and make, make the playoffs. So um, I would be willing to wait. I think most Knicks fans wouldn't. Um, but, you know, if, if it comes to the beginning of training camp and he's not on the team, you know, I could live with it. Now, if they find a great deal for him, that's perfect. But, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. But um, I'm ready for it. I'm prepared for them to really play this out. And uh, you could tell with what Danny Ainge has been trying to leak through the media that, you know, they would really love another team to start like a bidding war. But, you know, that team isn't really out there right now. So. And I think that's that's what's going to have to be. And you, and you mentioned guys like, I mean, Kyrie Irving looking more and more like he'll be back in Brooklyn next season, obviously, unless the Lakers, I feel like, can pull off a deal there. And, uh, and Kevin Durant, right? I mean, Miami's been interested. Phoenix still might be interested, even though they might be a little bit hamstrung by that DeAndre Ayton deal. So, again, patience is going to be the key here, I think, for at least the next month or so. Because once we get started getting to training camp, then you're going to start having this pressure build up, right? I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to show back up to Utah um, with, the, with the circumstances as they are. Kevin Durant unless he comes out publicly and says, you know what, screw it. I still got four years left with Brooklyn. I'm staying. We're, they're not going to want to show back up to training camp, just given the way things are right now. I wanted to get your opinion on the team, obviously, just down the I-95 from you, the Sixers team that I cover here at Liberty Ballers, looking at what they have done this offseason, obviously getting the room now and, and James Harden contract now official, end up saving about $14, $15 million for the team to add guys like P.J. Tucker, add guys like uh, Daniel House, add guys like DeAnthony Melton through trade at the at the draft. When you look at what the Sixers have done, adding those guys to a core of Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, what did you think of the Sixers' move so far this offseason? And do you think that now propels them towards the top of the conference where you got the Milwaukee's and the Boston's? Well, I mean, they were already pretty close, you know. Um, they finished fourth or third? Fourth. Fourth, okay, so. Uh, I don't know what the win like difference is, but I think the 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 big thing for for the Sixers is making sure that you know Harden's in better shape, um, making sure that he's you know found maybe finds a the role that's right for him or the usage, you know, making sure that uh, he's you know really contributing as much as he can. You know, I don't think he's washed or anything, so he can you know probably contribute better than what we saw at the end of last season. And um, obviously Maxie's ascension is uh, you could probably count on him being better this year. Mm -hmm. So I think they are, they're closer than what they were last year. Um, You know, guys like PJ Tucker, obviously um, they're real important in the playoffs and, you know, he's, I mean, he's, you don't know how many games you'll get out of him in the regular season because of the age, but uh, as long as he's, He's the kind of guy you don't worry about what and what he does too much in the regular season, but you know he can lock up, he can lock up the other team's best scorer in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's super important. So they're the kind of team it just, especially with you know Embiid's history of uh, injuries, it kind of matters. It matters a lot where they are health wise. Um, you know, they got a lot of old guys. Embiid's not old, but you know he he has the injury history. So mm-hmm. just making sure everyone's healthy. Um, you know, they don't have to push for the number one seed or anything like that. Just make sure they are, you know, at full, full health, full strength going into the, going into the playoffs. And yeah, I think they would have a, 
I don't think anyone else did too much. I mean, unless you really love Malcolm Brogdon and think Malcolm. I, I mean, he's a very good player, but he's another injury, you know, yeah. serious injury guy. So, um, and you know, the Heat. Well, if, if the Heat find a way to get Mitchell or um, Kevin Durant, obviously that'd be another story. But right now they don't have him. Doesn't seem like there's any traction there. So, um, yeah, they're they're you know they're right up there with the with the top of the East. I would say. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are looking forward to seeing how, especially this season, plays out, given the fact that we know Harden can still opt out of his deal and become a free agent next season. So I think this is a big one for, for the Sixers all around. Uh, Joe, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. want to get your official prediction. Will Donovan Mitchell be in a Knicks uniform opening day for next season? I, I, I think so. Um, again, like you said, um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of jazz fans I've I've talked to uh, they they believe that uh, Danny Ainge would go into the next season with Donovan Mitchell. I feel like, you know, with this the the next year's draft supposedly really good, and uh, you know they got guys like uh, Wemby and Scoot Henderson. You know, mm-hmm. they are they're tearing it down. So uh, they've been tearing it down. Even you know even getting rid of uh, Royce O'Neal. So. They don't want to do that. They want to lose next year. So I think um, going into going into the regular season with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think they want to do that. So um, he will probably be traded, and the Knicks, you know, they can beat most teams' best packages. So um, you know, no one's. I don't think anyone thinks that you know the Thunder are going to you know try to trade for him or you know some team like that. So. They can beat the contenders, the regular Donovan Mitchell contenders. They can beat all of them. So I think it's it's just it makes too much sense not to happen. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And like I said, I think if, if Mitchell comes back, that'll reinvigorate the garden. I think Jalen Brunson's mm-hmm. arrival already will. And we know that if the Sixers and Knicks are good at the same time, that's going to give us a, also an old school rivalry there, too. So that is. Yeah, that is very. Well, I think the Knicks took two games last year, so it was. Mm-hmm. But that was before the Harden trade. They got slapped around after the the, the two games they played. Yeah, the that's game. right. Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a, he had a big game there at uh, at MSG too, and uh, I think just shortly after the trade, uh, yep. when that deal was made. Joe, I want to thank you for for taking the time out to join me here. We're gonna obviously have all eyes on what happens with the Knicks. So uh, thanks, and and again, we'll keep checking out your work at uh, Posted and Toasted, and and we know you're gonna have this uh, covered for us as well. Thank you very much. All right, that's Joe Flynn with our SB Nation sister site, Posting and Toasting. Don't forget to check out his work there. That'll do it for this episode.